This is Beat 'em Down from Cult 45, the movie podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All Stars Podcast Network. Broadcasting very fast and very dangerous from the planet Malastare, you are listening to So Wizards. You're thinking, you're the people gonna die? The only podcast to make the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. There'll be no one to stop us this time. What's going on, everybody? It is time for episode number 403 of the So Wizard Podcast. I am your host, Joey DiCarlo. My co-hosts are the queen of all nerds, Aubrey Litchfield. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and the experts, Mr. Marquis, Mark Ellis Reagan. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. And this week, we've got a very special guest, very good friend of the show from the Scene Snob podcast, Mr. Mick Manhattan. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And that's, that was a very generous uh, introduction, by the way. Not special at all. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, we are glad to have you on. I have been on your show multiple times, and we like to pay it back. And I offered you your selection of anything you wanted to review that we had in the calendar, and this is what you picked. So, <laughs> I a hundred percent. I cannot wait. I saw it, and I'm I'm reserving my opinion right now. But you can tell by the giddiness. <laughs> You're either very giddy to trash it or very giddy to talk about it. So we'll see later on, my friends, because you, the listener, are listening to So Is Your Podcast, where. Four friends discuss the world of nerd podcasting weekly on the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. This week, we're going to talk a little bit of news. And then we've got our review of Nicolas Cage, the patron saint of So Wizard Podcast, and his new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Before we get into all that, how the hell is everyone doing this week? Mick, welcome to the show. Tell us about the scene snobs and what's going on with you. Uh, well, thank you guys again for having me. This is awesome. I, I Your show, I hate to admit this, on your show, while other people I know are going to listen and be like, what the hell? Um, uh, your show is like one of the rare podcasts I actually listen to pretty regularly. <laughs> you do you, listen to it at you know 2.5 speed, but you do listen to it. <laughs> hey, you got to live your life in a fast lane, right? Uh, <laughs> Quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Well, I, uh, you know, I do. I really appreciate this. We we have a good time, Joe. Every time you're on the show, we'd love to get you guys on uh, more often, actually. And uh, yeah, so the scene snobs were just uh, we're a comedy podcasts that kind of, you know, we, we revolve in the world of geek, uh, talk about movies, TV, comics, things like that, video games, uh, and but we do it with a little bit of an absurd twist. We we like to ask the questions that generally aren't asked about things like that. Um, you know, like this week, we're going to be picking apart the Sleepaway Camp franchise, uh, but not for the reasons that most people would think with all the controversy surrounding them, but more along the lines of, was Bruce Springsteen's little sister probably the best slasher of all time? We think so. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the Scene Snobs in a nutshell. But if you guys are uh, ever up for it, give us a listen. We're on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Awesome. Well, it is good to have you here. Aubrey Litchfield, the queen of all nerds. Long may she reign. How the hell are you? 
uh, I'm living the dream, you know, one day at a time. It's uh, It's been an interesting week, that's for sure. And uh, fuck you, Pearson View. So that's all I got to say. Okay. I don't know who that is, but fuck them, right? They're the, the people that did my exam yesterday that oh. revoked my privileges for speaking, even though I was mumbling. Well, Aubrey, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, women should, should uh, not, you know what I mean? Never mind. I'm not going to get into it. Marcellus Reagans, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's just a regular week. Nothing exciting happening except for, um, you know, technical difficulties. But other than that, everything's pretty good. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything exciting to report. Just uh, rock and rolling, working nonstop. I worked six days this past week. Went to the movies. Uh, went grocery shopping. I just, I lay, I have not stopped going for almost like three weeks straight. I don't think I've had a day where I did nothing at all. Uh, even Easter weekend was multiple family dinners. It's just, it's been wild, man. It's been wild. Uh, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. So I've already got plans for uh, Wednesday night to go to the movies. I have plans for this weekend to do stuff. And then next week, I am going to see Doctor Strange uh, opening night. I have expensive IMAX tickets with my uh, daughter, my daughter's boyfriend, and my son. And it's just, it's n- it never ends, man. There, there's no breaks on this train. But enough about us. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about us. Marcellus Reagans. Please tell the listeners where they can find more So Wizard Podcast. All right. So everybody can head on over to SoWizardPodcast.com where you will find a brand new episode every week. You'll also find an occasional movie review from yours truly. You'll also find some reviews and some recommendations and interviews from the one and only Adam Wallyhawk. You'll also find our merchandise there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, coffee mugs all located in our T Public store. You'll also find our social media links there. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. So definitely get at us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review while you're there, if you can. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts can be found. And that's including the Stitcher Radio app, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Good Pods. We have a YouTube page with new content premiering there regularly. So definitely check that out. We have a Patreon page where you can support the show. And for as little as a dollar a month, you'll receive exclusive content year round. Shout out to all of our buddies in the Geek World All-Stars podcast and network. Back to you, Joey. Impossible! Ha! If you had told me three days ago I'd be standing here with one arm and one testicle! Trying to reason with you, bitches! I would have said impossible too. But I'm telling you, there's a way. Thanks for reminding me of that movie. (laughs) It It felt appropriate. We'll get to it. Uh, before we do, there is some news to discuss. So, Marcellus Briggins, drop the drop and let us discuss the news. Yo, pump it up. It's time for the news. Yo, we getting ready to bring you the news, boy. All right, so this week in the nerdy news, uh, there was a little bit of a shakeup at Netflix. 
it appears that the creative director in charge of animation was fired. Uh, so he's gone. He took his team with him. But that also means that the long anticipated Bone animated TV show based on a popular graphic novel went out the door with him. So this is the third iteration of Bone that looked like it was going to happen. And turns out it's not going to happen. It's in the dirt once again. Uh, so I wanted to know, uh, you know, with the popularity of the book, with the times being that they are that comic book adaptations just seem to be running amok. Uh, do we even still want a bone adaptation? Um, and, you know, maybe is this the time that comic properties are on their way out the door? Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with our guest, Mick. Yeah, you know, I got to be honest with you. I, I think there's always going to be a place for those adaptations. I, and I don't think they're out the door at all. I mean, Invincible was was great. The, the first season was great. I can't wait for the second one. Mm -hmm. I like what they're doing. Um, and I think they always have a place. Now, what that place is going to be for Bone, um, I don't know. I didn't think it really fit at Netflix anyway. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, maybe Roku channel will pick it up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Maybe Quibi. Maybe it'll be on Quibi. <laughs> Nick, did you read Bone? A long time ago. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was a good little strip, like, you know, just to kind of keep up with. I, I, you know, I had a couple of the books. I wasn't like an avid reader of it. All right. All right. Aubrey, what about you? How do you feel about the, uh, the Bone adaptation being canceled again? I don't give a fuck. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured. Uh, Joey, what about you, dude? How do you feel about this third time not being a charm for Bone? Well, I'm pretty upset about it. I got to be honest with you. My whole family is upset about it. Um, you know, uh, my daughter and my son were huge into the books um, when they were younger. That was one of my gateway drug things to buy for them to uh, get them into comics and reading like sequential art, for lack of a better term. And I just think the story is a masterpiece. I mean, if you've read the thing front to back, you'll understand. But it, it's phenomenal. And I cannot believe we cannot get an adaptation of that this right now in the golden age of television. When there's 500 streaming channels looking for content, somebody doesn't want to plop the money down and make a quality adaptation of this classic book that sells millions of copies every single year. And no one wants to put the money up. Uh, I don't know. Jeff Smith put out a little cartoon that he drew himself um, that kind of indicates he's kind of done. He doesn't really want to pursue it any further. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of makes me sad because I, I think it's a wonderful story for younger kids. And I'd love to see it get to a wider audience. Um, I'm glad, you know, it, it, it's tough because you're almost glad, like sometimes you're glad these things don't come to pass. Like I'm sure we're all glad we didn't get uh, James Cameron, Spider-Man where he's like ejaculating web everywhere. <laughs> um, and there was a, a Nickelodeon version of bone. That was going to be the entire story in one movie with Justin Timberlake as bone. Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that didn't happen, but I was really looking forward to some kind of like very well done full length, full six, seven season animated series based on this absolute masterpiece, but I guess we're not going to get it. So I'll yeah. I'll cry. It's sad, too, because keep in mind, we are getting a new Beavis and Butthead reboot with them as middle-aged men. Right. That's something, you know. So there's so money for that, but there's no money for, <laughs> for this. Hey, man, 
Cowboy Bebop cut Netflix deep. <laughs> like, <laughs> we are done with these adaptations. What about Jupiter Ascending? Nope, nope. <laughs> Jupiter's Legacy. That cut us deep too, man. We, we've lost too much money on these adaptations. What the hell was the Jupiter uh, Jupiter Jupiter's Legacy? Legacy? It was the like a like a spinoff, like an animated spinoff that no one watched. Oh right, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it was like the their side. It was based off their side uh, books. Um, I guess where it more follows the villains or yes. something. I, I didn't watch it. I just yeah. I kind of I remember reading. I watched the the TV show, unfortunately, but. <laughs> uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make it 15 minutes into that thing. So God bless you if you watched all of it. But, yeah. oh, man, so we, they'll, they'll spend tons of money on that, but you can't put this together. I don't know, man. I don't know what Netflix is doing, man. Like, they want to cut down on password sharing. Uh, they want, you know, they want to cut back on what they're spending on TV shows and make more crappy reality shows. I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I think Jeff. They always been against password sharing, though. I mean, technically, but they never really cracked down on it. You know, I know what they're doing. They're losing subscribers left and right. So that's okay. Yes, (laughs) it's very true. It's very true. (laughs) With any luck, uh, Jeff Smith will uh, take his uh, take his property over to take it overseas, where it would become like a maybe like a a quick paced anime, and then Netflix just buy it right up again. We'll have it made as a live action uh, South Korean drama. That's what I'm saying, dude. They're like, <laughs> we need another Squid Game. Maybe Elon uh, Musk will buy it next, along with his acquisition of Twitter. <laughs> Bo- no. Bone Game. <laughs> no. <laughs> Aubrey, you, you, you take that out of the universe right now. We don't want that. Are you talking about the canon MCU character, Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> he is not. He's going to be like, hmm, what shall I buy next with all my monies? Yes, this show sounds good. I mean, if he wants to buy Soas or podcasts, we can start at about <laughs> three hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, jeez! Top 1% on listen notes, <laughs> which means nothing to yeah, anyone, literally except- means nothing. It's like literally made up gobbly numbers. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, it means a lot to people who have no idea what they're talking about. That's right. <laughs> Joey sends us stuff sometimes, and me and Mark are like, cool, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. What Thanks is it? <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, I've gotten to a point where I just, I focus on those things just to mess with other podcasters who are friends of mine. Nice. <laughs> And I'll just, I'm like, okay, oh, that's awesome. You got that rate, that ranking. Like Jeff Dwoskin, I do it to him all the time. He'll like get a certain amount of followers or a ranking and he'll gloat. And then I will, for like two weeks, just completely bust my butt to try and beat that. (laughs) You're like, oh man, guess what I got? Keeps me, keeps me humble. (laughs) The battles of the podcast. This is a, that's a movie. We got, we got, you know what? As as long as I can look at e thoughts and promote the show, I don't really care who owns Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just I try to have fun. That's the whole point of this. Take away the naked Asian chicks, though, we're gonna have a problem. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so in other news, uh, Warner Brothers. You better Warner. Better Brother. Warner Brothers. Thank you. Uh, they are. You know, they're in the middle of a little shakeup right now. They have some new executives in charge. And one of the ideas that they're kicking around is for the new Batgirl movie. Uh, when they launched HBO Max, one of the things that they were really going to try to 
to emphasize and bring people to the, the platform is their original content, original new movies on HBO Max. One of those movies was the Batgirl movie that is, uh, I believe it's still filming or it's almost done filming, but now they're talking about bringing it to the theaters first because of the huge success of the Batman. So with the Batgirl, the Batgirl movie going to be going to be premiering in the theaters uh does that kind of does that kind of sour a little bit your your taste for the movie if if you feel like uh you know you'd rather watch it at home or do you think that because it's a dc movie and they're trying to like build something new that the theater would be the place for it uh let's go back to aubrey how do you feel about batgirl being on a big screen yeah, be honest. My preference for all DC movies is to just watch them at home for free because okay. I feel like I'm wasting my money. <laughs> and Isn't it that your preference for all movies, though? To watch most them movies, yeah, yeah, most movies. <laughs> Can be honest, but I, DC movies I get even more mad at because I have wasted my money on a pile of hot garbage that was released. And editing is just cut to shreds. Why have they not fired that com- whoever their editors are yet? I have been campaigning about this for eight years. That their editing department needs a whole overhaul. Do it. And then maybe I won't care about spending my money in theaters. All right. All right. I'm, I think there's different people that's editing the movies. But I, I hear your point. Hashtag release the editors from their contracts. I, I hear you. <laughs> They're over it. They're overworked. <laughs> All right, uh, Mick, how do you feel about the Batgirl premiering on a big screen and then later premiering on HBO Max? I, I definitely want to see it. I mean, we're getting a return of Michael Keaton, but uh, yeah, I'm with Audrey on this one. I'm going to be watching this one at home, and I, as we should be, because it's going to bomb in the theaters. <laughs> There's no way it won't. I love Michael Keaton, but come on, this isn't this isn't his huge return. He's just going to kind of be in it, so they're going to blast that out because. Leslie Grace, she may be great in a role, and I can't wait to see her try, but yeah, nobody knows who she is. Nobody cares. All right. All right. Joey, what about you? How do you feel about this uh, change in our schedule regarding the Batgirl? Oh, man, we're changing the schedule again. Oh, man. I just got this thing fixed already. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, don't, I don't care either way. I know I have to watch it regardless of yeah. where it's playing. Uh, whether it's a theater or at home, I have to watch it for the podcast. So uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm not excited about it as like a property. So it's not something I feel like I have to watch on the big screen. I'd be perfectly fine watching it on HBO Max or, you know, what my usual shtick would be, which would be try to watch it on HBO Max. And then it glitches the fuck out on Fire Stick and doesn't work. So then I just end up watching it illegally anyway. <laughs> Okay. But at least I'm sharing Aubrey's password, so somebody's paying for it. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Aubrey. It makes me feel like it's worth it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know how this plays. Um I think if it was a oh god, I don't want to do this, but I feel if it was a Marvel movie. So like Mar again, we keep coming back to the same thing. Marvel's built up that cachet where they can release these weird characters are B characters, not so popular characters and turn them into a success. I don't know if DC's really reached that point or not yet. And I know they're supposed to be remaking the justice league and uh bad girl's going to be in it instead of Batman and Shazam instead of uh, Superman and um, the flash. And I don't know if they're going to recast the flash. It's a mess. Everything's a mess right now. So 
He should recast the Flash. He sucks balls. You better be quiet. He's going to choke slam you. He's going to throw a folding chair at you. He's in Hawaii for the rest of his life. He's fine. (laughs) There are worse punishments, I guess. But yeah, I don't know what they're doing because it seemed like Flashpoint was going to be a way for them to reset a bunch of stuff. But now they have to figure out a way to reset the Flash itself. (laughs) Um, Maybe they'll CG Kevin Spacey over him for the whole movie. That'd Um, fix it. That'd that'd fix everything. (laughs) That's right. But I, I don't know. I, it, DC is such a mess that I just try to take each movie as it comes. Mm-hmm. So if you know what, I don't, I'm not sitting here and anticipate like it's not with Marvel, like with Marvel, I'm like, oh, in 2026, uh, Blade is coming out and I'm super excited about it. I'm just like, what's next on the thing for DC? Oh, it's Peacemaker. It's a spinoff of Suicide Squad. All right, I'll check it out. And I loved Peacemaker. But then the next thing down the line might be, oh, here's whatever show. And I don't like it. So I. I'm not excited for their overall perpetuating universe, but I'm going to take each thing as it comes. I just wonder how much bloom will be off the rose for Michael Keaton if Flash sucks. Oh, that is going to suck. Because, yeah, well, I know, but I mean, you really only get one bite at that apple. You know, like you get the nostalgia pull of Michael Keaton's back as Batman once. And if the movie isn't sucks, then what does it matter if he came back? (laughs) He might, you know, Michael Keaton is back as the vulture, but he's in Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Keaton's going to be in a uh, background movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's not much of a poll, though. If he's in Flash before that, and Flash sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he's in Flash before and everyone likes, you know, maybe not like the movie, but like getting Michael Keaton back on a big screen. If I'm at HBO Max, I'm like, yeah, let's get fucking Michael Keaton back on a big screen again. People seem to like it. So that could it could work in their favor regarding the Batgirl how about, movie. How about these idiots go back out there and say, okay, why are we making a Batgirl movie and a Flash movie with Michael Keaton returning as Batman and not Batman Beyond <laughs> or or just him as Batman and then put all of these extra characters in it? That would be too easy. Batman. That would it would be too easy. Ugh. Why are we having Michael Keaton as Batman if we're trying to push? Robert Patterson to be Batman. Oh, the, he, it's not just Michael Keaton coming back. Uh, I've heard some rumors, my friends. I've oh. heard some rumors. Oh, God. Oh, this is going to be They are allegedly, allegedly CG Adam West, Christopher Reeve, and uh, DH Linda Carter in the Flash movie. Are you in a fucking multiverse? Well, uh, wait, wait. I, that can't be true. There's no way that I will not believe that. You could. You could have talked to the head of Warner Brothers yourself, and I will not believe you. That's I refuse it because <laughs> my sources it. are impeccable. Let me tell you, <laughs> I believe that. But <laughs> you know what Marvel's doing? They're doing a multiverse movie. What should we do? A fucking multiverse movie. Seriously, uh, they saw the money that Spider-Man made by bringing back the old Tobey Maguire. So they're like, we're gonna reach back even further and bring back old, old characters that you haven't seen in years. Mick, do you think it's offensive to have Christopher Reeve in the movie? CG Christopher Reeve? I think everything Warner Brothers right now is doing with DC <laughs> is offensive. And they just need to quit while they're behind. I, I, I get it. Well, I, hopefully Discovery comes in and is like, no, this is stupid. We're not doing this. I know Batfleck's going to be in that movie. Right? Yes. Really? That, come on. I, I'm out. I'm out, not at the show. Not on the show. No. My opinion on Warner Brothers, you've just like mind 
destroyed my mind. I can't even talk. I can't even talk. You did this, Joey. I'm sorry. You did this. Seal does not uh, provide the soundtrack. I'm going to be fucking furious. No, it's going to be R. Kelly, Gotham City. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. We need to get uh, Chase Meridian back doing her best Lucille Ball impersonation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we don't have a date for Batgirl, uh, but we will be talking about it on the show uh, when it does come out. And uh, that's it. That's going to be it for the news for this week. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. This summer, Plastic City Comic Con is back and better than ever. Meet some of your favorite comic artists, writers, and crafters. And visit over 150 vendors of comics, toys, cards, anime, and video games from all over New England and beyond. Saturday, July 16th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Wallace Civic Center in Fitchburg, Mass. Admission is only $10. And as always, kids 12 and under are free. Visit us at PlasticCityComicCon.com for more information. And we'll see you at Plastic City. And we are back. All right, guys. Before we jump into that, Mick, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was so you could talk about Carolina Fear Fest. Please, the floor is yours, my friend. Tell us all about it. Yes, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate this. Uh, love promoting this convention. Uh, it's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Carolina Fear Fest is right there in the name at the North Carolina State Fair uh, uh, location. Uh, it's going to be awesome it's we did it last year we did all their live streaming we did panels uh celebrity interviews things like that we talked to some really fun people but it's even bigger now that things have opened up and we're gonna we're just gonna have so much fun with it so what basically how it's a hard convention ready to go tons of great vendors great location um the guests this year are blowing me away because they have so many we got william Forsyth, dj qualls clint howard we got Stephen Williams, if you remember from 21 Jump Street and Supernatural, Danielle Harris. Uh, I don't know how many of uh, our horror fans out there, but these are a lot of the big names in the industry. Tom Savini, Felissa Rose, um, and so many more. So we're going to have a really good time. We're, we're going to be partying. Uh, we're going to be doing cosplay. Uh, we're going to be doing cosplay roundup where we're going to take everybody dressed up as different horror 
horror icons and pit them against each other and let the audience decide who would actually win in a fight. Um, we're going to do real combat there, the whole nine. So, yeah, the scene snobs are official reps of Carolina Fear Fest, so I just I can't wait for it. It was so much fun last year. We're so happy to be back for it this year. Will you be uh, completely bathing your YouTube channel and coverage for it? Yes, we will be covering not just for YouTube. We're going to be covering it on Facebook. We're going to be covering it on Twitter. Oh, well, well, let's see what Elon lets us do. <laughs> uh, we're going to be covering it on our TikTok, the whole nine. So, like, go out, go to thecenesnops.com. You can follow us on everything there. And then, uh, yeah, let's just enjoy it. Let's have a great time. Awesome. Well, carolinafearfest.com. If you're in the area and want to check it out, otherwise get all over mixed stuff so you can get that coverage in your eyes and ears. Thank you for talking about that. I appreciate it. Now, it's time for our review of the unbearable weight of massive talent. Before we start, Aubrey Litchfield, what is this movie about? Unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when a CIA operative recruits Cage for an unusual mission. Taking on the role of a lifetime, he soon he soon finds himself channeling his most iconic and beloved characters to save himself and his loved ones. All right. Well, as always, we're going to start with our non-spoiler impressions. So you'll know what we all thought about the movie if you haven't seen it yet. Then Mark Ellis will drop the drop delineating spoilers, and we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about it. So to start, we're going to go with our guest, Mick Manhattan from the Scene Snobs. What did you think of the movie? Uh, well, I mean, going into it, I was already biased because Nick Cage is my favorite actor of all time. And that is unironic. That is absolutely true. I love him and everything. Um so going in to watch Nick Cage play Nick Cage was just a joy. I really enjoyed this movie. I had a good time with it. It was a lot of fun. And that's why I, it was a lot of fun in a way that you, a lot of his nineties movies were, if that makes sense to people, like it just was a joy to watch it. And I only want to see buddy cop films now starring Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. <laughs> All right. Aubrey Litchfield. What did you think? I fucking love this movie. Oh my god! Really? No, I never thought that I would I would see the day where I saw a stupid ass Nicolas Cage movie, and I'm here praising it. It was I laughed hysterically throughout this entire movie, and I'm pretty sure I was I was the person that was laughing the loudest when I got there. There was nobody in the theater, and then a couple of people showed up. <laughs> but the fucking movie was so stupid and hysterical. I'm gonna buy it. It was so good. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty high praise so far, Marcellus Reagans. Yeah, I was not a fan of this movie at all. Oh, I'm, not, no. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I I went in with some expectations. You know, it seemed like a cool premise, and I was hoping that there was gonna be like a unique or interesting or a story that would be I don't know that would grab me. And I'm waiting for the story to kick in. I'm waiting for like the hook to kick in, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm like. I don't know if this movie is is what the trailer promised me. So yeah, I you know it's okay, but it's not compared to some of his other movies, especially other movies that tackle this same subject. It's it's just barely okay for me. Wow! All right, all right. Um, Dagger in the heart. 
I know, I know. After you guys were just praising it to high heaven, and then Mark comes in and just cuts your legs out from under you. I'm going to shit all over your day. That's my job. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I liked a lot of it, but I don't feel like I loved it, but I liked it. And, oh, man, it it felt like it ran out of steam after about 40 minutes. If, uh, you know, if it's, it's, it's two Willy's Wonderlands. <laughs> that one ran out of steam after about 20 minutes. This one ran out of steam about 40 minutes. Um, it was fun and goofy, but man, I don't know. I don't know. It's, and I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it. So I'm trying to be vague, but it just kind of ran out of steam for me about, I want to say halfway through, um, I, I saw it in the theater, but I felt myself reaching for the remote to push up on it to see how long was last left in the movie. So, yeah, it did for me, ran out of steam. So we're all over the place now. We've got two very high praise reviews. We've got Mark, who did not like it, and I'm kind of blah, so that doesn't give you any idea what to think. Uh, so I guess you'll either have to go watch and come back or stick around, because now we are going to drop the drop, and we are going to spoil the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, I've got some spoilers. All right, so we're going to start with our guest, Mick. What are things that you liked about the movie? What jumped out that you liked about this movie? I just, well, one thing I really enjoyed was that Nick Cage knew what he was in this, like exactly what they were looking for, and a way he played himself as just like what everybody kind of sees him as already like and i just i really enjoyed that that egotistical side of him that you know i'm an artist and this is my craft sort of thing being stuck in this crazy bonkers scenario and one thing that i really truly loved about it was that it tells you what it is throughout the entire movie as they're writing their movie they're telling you exactly this is what this is now we need this and this happens and then they're telling you the turns as they come and you really don't feel pressure in it until you get to the point where you see the two CIA agents dead. If that, you know, and then you're like, oh, there are real ramifications because two of the stars of the movie just got killed. Uh, but yeah, I just I, the whole thing throughout. Uh, I love the the uh, relationship between again Pedro Pascal and uh, Nick Cage throughout. It was just a lot of fun. They seemed to work well off each other and just like have a great time. I did. I thought that the adding the family element to it did make it drag a bit and pulled it behind. So I don't want to say it's like the perfect movie or anything, but uh, you know, bringing them in like surprisingly at towards like midway through the movie, I was like, all right, this is. I see what you're going for here, but it does add like this this is sort of a weight to this thing that was just seemed to be a lot of fun throughout. And now all of a sudden it's, it's something completely different. Uh, but yeah, overall, I still really liked it. I liked how it ended. Um, at times it felt heartfelt. Uh, it felt crazy. It felt uh, action packed, funny, you know, so it touched a lot of things, hmm. a lot of things I'd like to, to, to touch during this whole thing, but during my watch. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Aubrey Litchfield, you are gushing over there uh, over a Nick Cage movie of all things. I know. No one ever saw it coming. I think this movie is fucking hysterical. There is a point in this movie where it definitely becomes it. There's a decline in its enjoyment. And, but then it picks back up 
at least for me it did. Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal are fucking hysterical together. I love the scene where they take LSD and <laughs> are just traveling through the town. I'm like, these guys are following us. Are they? Look at them. Fake smile. Fake laugh. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking funny and stupid. And then they climb the wall and he, like, lets go of Pedro Pascal. And then he just, like, walks on the other side of the wall. I laughed hysterically. It's just very stupid humor. And I don't know why I found it as funny as it did, but I did. I, I can't explain what I actually find funny and what I don't. I have no idea. But I love when Pedro Pascal brings the family in because he, like, thinks he's doing Nicolas Cage a favor. But Nicolas Cage thinks that he brought them there to kill for him to kill and like it's a whole thing it's just it it's really stupid really stupid and it knows that it's stupid and for some reason that's what makes it funny to me it's not like pootie tang that knows it's stupid (laughs) and for some reason it's just like kind of over the top but this this was like a we know we're stupid but we're we acknowledge that we're being stupid but we're also going to take it very serious while we're doing this stupid Mm -hmm. movie it's just, it's ridiculous. I can't believe how many people they got to actually be in this movie, too. And his fucking wife is hysterical. I loved her. You better not be taking the name Pootie Tang in vain over there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, it was just the only thing I could think of. But, like, <laughs> I love his wife whenever he gets drunk and does stupid shit. shit. She's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's so funny. Does it remind you of something you would say over and over and over? Yes, yes. yes. Maybe that's why. (laughs) Because I felt her rage. All right. Well, Marcellus Reagans, uh, you're on the negative side. So what were some things you liked about the movie? Uh, So things I liked. I thought the performances were really good. I actually liked Nicolas Cage playing himself. And I liked Nicky Cage. I thought Nicky Cage was fun. And I was hoping for a little bit more of, of that character. Um, and I thought Pedro Pascal was actually really good, too. I thought he did a really good job. You know, there are some cool shots in this movie. There's a scene where Nick Cage is looking at his statue of himself from Face Off. And uh, the camera does, like, this weird thing where they kind of put both of them together, kind of superimpose one on top of the other one. And I'm like, oh, my God, someone's actually, like, awake behind the camera. Someone's, like, paying attention. Because that was the first shot in the movie that I'm like, okay, this could be a good movie. But it, the script which I'll save that for later. And I thought his daughter looked just like freaking Daisy Ridley. There was a moment where I'm looking at her and I'm like, how is Ray Skywalker in this movie? Like she's doing an amazing American accent. She looks, you know who that is? No idea. No idea. That's Kate Beckinsale and uh, uh, Michael Sheen's daughter. Really? Nice. Lily Sheen. I think her name is. Ah, okay. That makes sense. God, she looks so much like freaking Daisy Ridley. It was unsettling for a little bit and there's a part where Nicolas Cage shows up as like the fat Italian guy at the end which I thought was actually really funny Uh, I thought he did a really good job I think Nicolas Cage like you know he's there to do you know some work some good work some solid comedic jokes and and you know some scenes but that script does not support that at all Uh, but he was good and that's it that's all I that's all I, I liked about it all right all right. Um, you know, I really liked, I want to say like the first, yeah, like I said, about the first 40 minutes of the movie, half an hour, 40 minutes of this movie when it's Nicolas Cage. Um, he's a, he's kind of washed up actor. I loved his interaction with himself. 
I was really hoping that we were going to get multiple versions of him. <laughs> so not just Nikki Cage, but maybe like um, direct a video. Nick Cage could show up or something <laughs> like, washed up like Ghost Rider version or Bangkok Dangerous or something. Um, I didn't know how deep they wanted to go with that, but I, I, I thought the version of him that the young version of him that was giving himself terrible advice was hilarious. And I was not expecting that at all. Uh, to be in the movie. So I thought that was really funny. Uh, I'm glad they didn't spoil that in the trailers, but they've started spoiling it now in commercials, but I'm glad they didn't spoil that in the trailers. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's really funny up until the actual quote unquote plot of the movie kicks in. It's a really funny and fun movie. It just kind of runs out of steam uh, about 40 minutes in. So I think Pedro Pascal is hilarious in it. I think Nicolas Cage is hilarious in this. Uh, For the most part, I really enjoyed a lot of the things they were doing and, and saying and, some of the jokes, but I mean, it just, it just kind of got old really quick. Unfortunately, I did like his wife, Aubrey. You're right. Yep. And, uh, you know, I I just, you know, uh, I had a lot of sensible chuckles for the first like 40 minutes of the movie. Unfortunately, the rest of the movie has to happen. But speaking of things we didn't like Mick, what were things you didn't like about the movie? Uh, well, like I said, uh, again, I don't mind that the family showed up. It's just the way they showed up. It felt awkward. And I know what we were trying to do to make the change into more of the action uh, vibe they were going for. But it just it felt a little jarring. So if it felt jarring, then it felt like that's a misstep uh, in the writing. Um, you know, the twist with the cousin being the, being the one who runs the business, like I thought that was fine. I know what they were trying to do, but. I didn't think it totally worked. Like I thought it might've been pretty cool if they actually went with, like he befriended this monster of a human being uh, and kind of twisted it that way where he had to go against him. But yeah, whatever they went with it. Uh, So story wise, it's not, it's definitely not perfect, but I saw what they were going for. Can I, is the characters were great. I really enjoyed them. Uh, The character interactions were a lot of fun. Like you, um, like you guys said with uh, the wife, she was, uh, she she was fantastic. She really did pull it off, and I, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before. So uh, to see her kind of pop in and and do this, like it was a lot of fun. And I thought the daughter did a pretty good job, uh, just being an angsty teenage daughter of Nicolas Cage of all people. Um, when he sings that song to her at her birthday, I, I was losing it in the theater. It was just so funny. Uh, he's just that much of an egotist, egotistical human being. Uh, he's the thing that really kept it going uh, the most, in my opinion. I mean, you saw different variations of him, you know, especially the Nikki Cage. I thought that was funny, but uh, the things I didn't like about it, um, yeah, just really, it was just like kind of the story and like how in certain places, like, you know, it did drag. I don't know that I agree with the at 40 minutes, it completely runs out of steam, but it runs out of steam in certain areas, and that's never a good thing. All right. All right. Aubrey Litchfield, queen of all nerds, what do you got? Yeah, um, there is a, cer- a certain point in this movie where you're you're not laughing as much as you were at the other stupid shit. And then it kind of picks back up with the stupid shit again. And then it goes to more serious stuff. And I don't know if I really enjoyed the serious stuff. I did laugh at the end when it's like revealed that the last scene was the movie because his wife somehow changes to, to Demi Moore. And that for some reason 
it made me laugh. But I thought that was Courtney Cox for a minute. I know it did kind of look like her. Um, the the serious parts of it were so oddly placed that you're in like this roller coaster of laughing, and then wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be laughing and then laughing again. And then wait a minute, we're serious again kind of thing. Um, so it plays with your emotions. And I don't know if I really liked that because I don't know if it worked very well. But that's the only negatives, really. I thought all of the actors did a phenomenal job. Uh, even Neil Patrick Harris, I thought that that was a very odd decision. But then them getting that weird, like getting hit with a tree scene was really funny. So. Yeah, there wasn't much I didn't like. Yeah, I know you. You are you are you and Mick loving this movie, but Marcellus Riggins is not. So Marcellus, what did you not like about the movie? Again, I thought this movie was gonna be smarter than what it it turned out to be. Like I kind of thought that this was kind of like a setup. You know what I mean? Like his family and his agent and everyone is kind of putting Nicolas Cage on to try to get him to be enthusiastic about working not and doing movies or something. I don't know. It just felt like as the story was going on, I'm like, this movie can't be this dumb. Like it, it can't be this stupid. It And there's a point where I'm like, this is a Melissa McCarthy movie. Like when he gets the, when he's doing the special agent moves and he's touching his head and he's like, you know, about to pass out and he's crawling across the, the ledge of the building. I'm like, this is a complete Melissa McCarthy movie. A movie that has a ton of jokes, joke after joke after joke, but none of them are funny or like really funny. They're like kind of chuckle, but nothing like super funny. So, yes, I I thought the script was just weak, just completely weak. Uh, the FBI agents <laughs> like were like pointless, like they were there kind of to root him on, but they died horrifically and there was no repercussions from that. Like no one showed up. Nicolas Cage still gets to be the Hollywood star and Pedro Pascal gets to write his Hollywood script. And I'm like, what What about the dead FBI agents down in Mexico? Does that count for anything? Apparently not. Yes, yeah, so I'm not really sure about the, the ending, the whole happy ending on this movie. It didn't feel true to me at all. It didn't feel like it, it earned any kind of happy ending. And if you, I swear to God, if you want to see a movie where Nicolas Cage plays double characters and it's a movie that talks about the trials and battles of big Hollywood movies versus independent movies, and also a movie that tells you what it is as it's going along, then watch Adaptation, because that movie is a hundred times better than this, and it does the exact same thing. Uh, so as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, you're trying to be Adaptation, and you're not even close. You're not even, not even in the same fucking ballpark. So yeah, it, I... I wanted to like it. I really wanted to love it, but it's just a, a weak ass script. <laughs> well, All I, right. <laughs> if I could interject for one of course. second, like, uh, a lot of people like, and I was reading this, didn't really pick up on that. Every scene, like all the scenes, uh, like where he's with his family in the beginning and then like how zany he is or, or like kind of off put he is like uh, in certain uh, scenes and then how zany he can get, like you said, the Melissa McCartney thing. All of that is allegories for all of the decades that he did movies. Like all the like because he changed so much in his movies from like the Raising Arizona Days, the Valley Girl, Moonstruck, to the the superstar action guy in the nineties to Lord of War, Matchstick Men, you know, family man type guy, and then so on and so forth. Like 
all of that is all of those scenes are supposed to be allegories from what I've heard and read um, for his career and like what each of them, like what he was a star as in each one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense. (laughs) I guess it it does kind of make sense, but if you're going to say, okay, we're going to put 80 different Nicholas cages into one movie, that's, that's genius. I think that's a great idea, but, you should have a story that should that would support that, or at least give it a reason to. And I don't think the script does it. I really don't. I by the time it got to the end of it, I'm like, that's it. That's the ending. This whole movie has been just for this moment. Boo. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I didn't dislike it as much as Mark Ellis did, but I felt like anytime the CIA or um like actual story intruded on what was happening. It completely ruined the movie. I could have watched an entire movie of Nicholas Cage's going to Pedro Pascal's birthday party. And Pedro Pascal is a gangster or a mobster drug dealer, what drug kingpin or whatever. And hijinks ensue. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I just, the, everything that involved like the CIA people coming in just kind of like, it just like took me out of the movie every single time. It, I don't know. It just seemed like ruined the movie for me. It just, it just did not work for me. And I'll agree with Mark. It did feel almost like a Melissa McCarthy movie type thing. I, I, I don't know what, what era is that, uh, emulating Mick of Nick Cage's movie. Oh, that would be more along the lines of like his early, like really early days, you know, where he would just be like the zany weird guy. Yeah. In movies. Um, that I, I do agree. That's, I and I probably should have thought about that a little bit more, but like uh, I don't think Tiffany Haddish and uh, uh, was it Ike uh, Barkholtz or whatever his name is mm-hmm. um, should have played. They shouldn't have gotten two comedians to play the CIA agents. I think they should have, if they were going to do that and add that element, it should have been a little more serious, and he could have been the the quirky one. Yes, you know, like I, I don't want to do this, but they're like, we need you to do this. This girl was kidnapped. Because if they had done that, I think it would have landed better at the end when the girl sees Nicolas Cage saving her and she's like, what? This is trippy. You know, like adding Tiffany Haddish, I'm already thinking, all right, this is a comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. That song when she gets kidnapped had me in tears. <laughs> I don't remember what song. It was the stupid Just Call Me Angel. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even remember. Uh, it's the funniest part of the movie to Aubrey. I don't even remember it. So it goes goes to goes to show you we got a lot of different opinions here. But yeah, I mean, uh, there there isn't anything egregious that I hate about the movie where I'm sitting here like, oh, this movie sucks or f this movie, blah blah blah. Like some stuff we've watched, it just you know to me it just felt like it ran out of steam about halfway through, and there was still some fun stuff. Uh, that happened uh, as the movie went on later. There were still some fun things that happened. A lot of the um, Stuff like Mark said when he was dressed up as the Italian guy was funny. You know, there was there was definitely still some fun stuff that happened. It just, man, it it felt like I was watching a five out of five movie that ran into a brick wall, unfortunately, (laughs) because I was really into it as it first started when it was really just about him and his family and and interacting with Pedro Pascal. And then it just kind of spiraled off into this crazy storyline with action and everything. And I, I don't know, man, it just it just lost its way to me, at least to me, it just lost its way. Not not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it definitely lost its way towards the end of the movie. But that's kind of what we thought. But the only thing we got to do is give it a score. So zero to five, five being the best, zero being the worst. What do you have, 
the unbearable weight of massive talent, our guest, Mick Manhattan from the Scene Snobs. Four and a half out of five. Whoa! <laughs> I love this. I did love the movie overall. Even like the faults that I found in it, I still, it, I was in it throughout the whole thing. So, warts and all, you loved it. Like my wife likes me, warts and all. No one knows why, but here we are. Aubrey Litchfield, the queen of all nerds. I am going to give it a four out of five. Wow. Yeah. It's probably the best movie be I've five. seen this year so far. The best. <laughs> 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 Stay tuned, folks. Mark Ellis Reagan. Uh, I'm going to give it a two. Uh, I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the Nicolas Cage references uh, to his other movies. Uh, but I think the script is just not good at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Wow. Okay. We are all over the place. So I, I'm i feeling a two and a half, right? So I'm feeling two and a half. But the things I liked about it, I still liked a lot. And there, I did have some laughs, and I had a, a decent time watching it. So I, I feel like I'm like 2.753, so I'm going to go with a 3 out of 5 wow. on this one. Just, it's better than a 2.5, but it's not great. So we are just all over the place on this thing. If uh, you agree, you disagree, you got your own feelings, hit us up on social media, slide in those DMs, let us know what you thought. But now we are going to get some recommendations and we are going to wrap it up before we tap it up. Mick, tell us where all our listeners can find you on the scene snobs and get us a recommendation for them as well. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I just did a mixed movie picks earlier. Um, so you guys just go to the scene snobs.com. That's our hub for everything. You can go you know, to our pod page, find all the podcast platforms, our YouTube channel, because we do more than just the podcast. We have, Movie reviews, things like that. So go check them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, and join our Discord or whatever. But, like, all the links are right on there. You know, follow us and have a good time with it. But, uh, you know what? If I'm going to make a recommendation right now, I'm feeling a little froggy. Everybody go out and watch a movie that I really, truly adore called Digstown. You know, it's a boxing movie starring Lou Gossett Jr. and James Woods. Uh, where Lou Gossett Jr.'s aging boxer has to fight 10 men in 24 hours. And it is a really fun time. Bruce Stern plays a great bad guy in it. Uh, and there's just some really fun stars that pop up. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's terrifying at times. It's just a great movie. So that's my recommendation. Awesome. Well, thank you for stopping by. And that is a great movie. I will agree there. Aubrey Litchfield, queen of all nerds. What do you got? I recommend everybody check out AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C., because that is where I will be in a couple weeks. Um, I think it's the beginning of June. Where June is it? Yep, June, June 3rd. Yep. Noah and I will be there. Um, we will be checking it out. Noah gets to meet Simu Lee. Um, so what about you? Do you get to meet that. him or no? Or you just had to pay for it? Noah loves um, Shang-Chi. So when I saw that I could purchase a photo op with him i was like oh nice. yeah i gotta i gotta get that for him nice. are if you gonna be aquafina, in the photo it would have been sold immediately he <laughs> if it was aquafina i'd be in your fucking trunk like, <laughs> hiding again in the fucking place so don't even worry about that are you gonna be in the picture though no probably not i didn't what? i didn't pay for us both to get a picture just him, usually let so. you have up to like four people in the picture you're not gonna be in the picture oh. paid like 300 something dollars for Oh, I don't know. I didn't see if I could be in it. I guess I could. I might be. 
Man, you better be we'll in that see. fucking picture for what you paid for yeah. that. Good Lord. Uh, I think, the, the, I think I the way they do it is you can be in the picture all together. You can't have an each an individual picture. Yeah. I'll have well, to ask him what he wants. He can either have me in the picture <laughs> or not. I, he's very demanding. I know. But we will be there June 3rd. Thanks. Vic, you said you're also going to be there. Yeah, the scene snobs are covering. We got uh, press passes. We've had press passes there for the past three years, and we'll be covering the event. Awesome. Nice. I was there last year as press, too. We, we passed each other somewhere. Oh, nice. That's awesome. I I was yelling at Noah the whole time. So <laughs> you saw somebody yelling at a small child to stop complaining. That was me. All right. Well, well somebody we... yelling at a grown man. That was me yelling at Casey, my partner. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, leave him alone. Just try to have fun. <laughs> well, we've got Carolina Fear Fest. We've got Awesome Con coming up. Marcellus Reagans, what do you have for the listeners this week? Uh, so I got two recommendations. Uh, if you have Tubi, which is an app that I've been talking about forever, <laughs> uh, you can check out Paddington 2. I, <laughs> that, feels, that feels about right. Uh, if you have HBO Max and, like I said, you want to see a good Nicolas Cage movie where he plays two roles and it talks about the – the pitfalls of uh, big Hollywood movies versus independent movies adaptation is streaming on HBO Max, and it's an amazing movie. I fucking love that movie so much. Um, so those are my two recommendations. Awesome. Well, I will suggest that you go to SoWizardPodcast.com where you can find the podcast every week. Links to all our social media accounts on the right-hand side of the page. There's comic reviews, movie reviews, and so much more at SoWizardPodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, or just about anywhere under the sun you find podcasts. We will be there. Check out our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com backslash SoWizardPodcast. There is hours free exclusive content there. This week, we've got some cool interviews dropping on there, and I have been doing comic book reviews weekly on there. So as you hear this, I will be reviewing some cool stuff like Flashpoint Beyond Zero and World's Finest Number 2. So check it out. Don't forget our Patreon. Patreon.com backslash so wizard podcast. You can monetarily support the show and get extra exclusive content for your eyes and ears this month. It's the only place to hear our reviews of Halo colon the series from Paramount Plus as well as Netflix's Choose or Die on our video podcast. Myself and Adam just recorded that today reviewing Choose or Die. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what I thought. I'm going to keep that to myself. That's for the Patreon. So it sucked. And um, (laughs) (laughs) what will I recommend, my friends? I will recommend that you get in your boat. You get on the ocean and you start rowing with your fellow Vikings because next week we are going to be reviewing the Northmen and you should check it out starring uh, woman crush of the year from me a couple years ago. Anya Taylor joy, the beloved star of Playmobil, the movie, and we will be checking it out next week. So you should go see it. So you're able to rock and roll with us next week, but that is going to do it for episode number 403 of the so wizard podcast i have been your host joey DiCarlo, our very special guest mick manhattan from the scene snobs thank you so much for having me guys i really appreciate this thank you for coming by aubrey litchfield the queen of all nerds i was gonna you know repeat his monologue but i don't remember it And the expert, Mr. Marquis Marcellus Reagans. Everybody have yourself a good week and Wakanda forever. See you guys next week. Good journey.